0: All right, Rockstar Nation, we have a great returning guest. I got Larry Goins on the line, and Larry, this is Larry's second time on the show. He was about 200 shows ago, and you, you know, an interesting stat uh, keeps popping up, and uh, depending on the city that you're in, but I've read that, you know, anywhere from a third to a half of real estate transactions now are investor. This is, this is uh, residential, uh, are investor or cash buyers And or cash buyers. And and the number is higher than it seems it's ever been before. And Realtors are having to deal with the likes of Larry. And Larry's a guy that has bought and sold tons and tons of houses. You're going to find out more. But he's actually going to come on today and train us as Realtors how to deal with the super savvy investor who is trying to out-negotiate you on your deal. So without further ado... Larry Goins, welcome back to Real Estate Rockstars. What's happening, buddy? How you been? Been great. Been great. Hey, why don't you give everybody a little rundown on yourself, Larry, so they get to know you better?
1: Sure, man. Sure. Hey, I've been buying houses for over 30 years. I bought my very first investment property in 1986, right? It was, an and and realtors that have been in this business for a long time, you'll remember these. It was an FHA non-qualifying assumable loan. They stopped those in like 1978, and there was still a few left over in the 80s. But all you had to do was sign your name on, a, on an FHA form, and you could take over a loan without even qualifying. That was my very first deal. And since then, I've gone on to buy and sell over 1,000 properties. And I love real estate. I love, love, love real estate because there's so many different things you can do and ways you can make money with it, and I love it. I'm I'm a licensed agent as well. I actually a licensed broker. I'm not active, but I am licensed and have been licensed since maybe 89 or something like that.
0: All right. Well, I mean, you certainly know the game and we're going to talk today cuz you know, a large percentage of our listenership is agents. So I want to give them value, right? How what they can learn and use right away. And I know you talked about you have a list of questions that you ask every realtor when you're dealing with a realtor on the other line. Let's first of all start out with that list and talk about that list, and then talk about how agents can avoid making mistakes when dealing with an investor who's uh, really sharp. Well, you know,
1: there is a list of questions that I have and, and, and I, that I give to my students as well, but, but I always tell people, people do business with people they know, like, and trust, right? So many, so many uh, realtors get frustrated with newbie investors because a newbie investor, maybe they went to a weekend seminar that just flew through town, right, for the weekend, and they tell them to start calling about properties. And number one, they don't have any money, they don't have any credit, they don't have any experience, they don't know what they're doing, and then they're picking up the phone and calling the agents and they're wasting the agent's time. Man, I don't blame the agent for being frustrated with those guys. They're literally wasting their time. So, so I tell students, you know, you've got to, if you're going to be an investor, especially if you're going to buy properties through realtors, you got to line up your money, right? Because an agent is not going to talk to you about a house unless they know you're a cash buyer or at least you have access to the money to be able to close a deal. So number 1, don't don't waste the realtor's time, right? See, the realtors I work with, they love me. And and I even tell them that. That's a part of my script when I'm on the phone with the brand new agent. I say I say, "Pat, you know the agents we work with love me because I do what I say I'm going to do and I close deals. You don't have to worry about me waffling on a deal. I got the money to close." Right? So, so that's one of the things that we do. you got to get the agent to, to, to like you and trust you. And, like, and we do all of our business over the phone, right? We, we, we literally make the offer over the phone. So the very first thing I do is when I call up an agent, I want to make sure, hey, did I catch you at a bad time or, or, or is this okay? You got a second. You know, I was calling about 125 Oak Street. Why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Now, some of them, depending on if you caught them at a bad time or not, they're going to say, well, you know, where did you see it? Do you see it online? Everything, everything about the property is online, you know? So I might say something like, well, well tell me what I don't see online. You know, is this a fixer upper or a blower upper? You know, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I try to. A fixer upper or blower upper. Okay. Right, I like I, that question too. Tell me what I don't see online and what do you expect by that? Right. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of
1: things that you can get from that. Uh, you can get information about the property. You can get information about the seller, right? So there's a lot of things you can get about that. Some of them might say, "Well, you know, since since the property was listed, someone stole the the copper piping or something." Because a lot of the properties we buy as investors are lower priced properties. We're not buying three four hundred thousand dollar houses, right? That that's typically not what we're buying, right? Now, unless we're you know buying on the on the West Coast where the prices look like phone numbers, right? <laughs> <laughs> But, but we're buying, you know, on the East Coast primarily, although I've done deals in 12 different states, we're buying the lower price properties, right? So so we want to get them to like us and trust us. We want to find out a little bit about the property. What can you tell me about it? I do literally ask, is it a blower upper or a fixer upper? I want to break the ice a little bit. I want to get them laughing. I want to talk to them because funny equals money. I don't care what you're doing, you know, and, and, and in the context of what we're talking about, we're talking about the agent working with an investor, but even if the agent's working with the buyer or seller or whatever, remember guys, you know, you might think, oh, I'm a real estate agent, but you are a salesperson. You are on commission only. You're a commission only salesperson and nobody gets paid till the deal closes, right? So you got to remember that you need to know some sales skills, right? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like, what can, what can an agent do when he gets somebody like you on the phone, do you do they just do, should they avoid that question? And and you know for lack of giving too much away, you know, no,
1: not really. I, I don't think so. In fact, you know, I'm asking a lot of questions about the property, you know, uh, and about the seller as well. And, and I know I even tell the realtor. Because, see, a lot of realtors are very, very skeptical of an investor when they call because an investor will call up and say, hey, I'm a real estate investor. I never even say that. I don't even say I'm an investor. I just start talking to them, and I build rapport. And one of the questions I'll ask is, would this be a better fix and flip or a better fix and rent? Right? So mm, okay. then they happen to know I'm an investor. think, yeah. I'm, yeah, they know I'm an investor. They know, but I don't come out and say I'm
0: an investor. Well, if they say fix and rent, then that's, they're essentially saying it's not a good deal.
1: Right. Well, if they say it's a fix and rent, then I know it's a rental type property, right?
0: Well, I, yeah, but don't you, doesn't that it, it makes sense? Like uh, uh, if it's a fix and flip, that means, hey, I'm making money on the buy. If it's a fix and rent, it means you probably can't fix it up and, and flip it and make a good profit. So you better rent it instead. Do you, do you know what I'm saying?
1: I know uh, what you're saying. It's
0: two different animals most it of the is, time.
1: It is two different animals, so so first thing is now I've got to base my offer on the cash flow. You know, what am I going to buy it for? How much are the repairs going to be? And now how much can I rent it for? Then I know what my cash flow is going to be and I'm going to make my make my offer based on the cash flow, right? If it's a fix and flip, it's pretty simple, you know? You take the ARV and then you figure the repairs and the price of the house and how much profit, and then you know what your offer needs to be, right? But uh, there's certain things that an agent needs to understand when they're dealing with an investor. See, most agents are in this box, right? They're in this box. And, you know, we've got to have a proof of funds. We've got to have a copy of your bank statement. we got to have this. you got to submit the offer in writing. And, and you would be amazed how many agents have told me that And by the time we got off the phone, the agent was emailing the seller to find out if they wanted to put it on paper, right? Just because of the conversation we're having. I'll give you an example. Let's just take a quick example. Okay. Like like a realtor might say... You know, I'll be talking to the realtor and I'll say, you know, based on what you're telling me, it looks like I probably need to be somewhere in the low to mid 60s, something like that. And in fact, the last house I bought very similar to this, I think I paid 58000 59000 Let me ask you a question. Would you like to email the seller or, or if it's a bank owned property, I'll say asset manager. See, I'm using keywords that realtors use because I talk about listings and and asset manager and short sales, if it's a short sale, I don't say I would like to get some information on a property app. No, I'm talking, (laughs) I'm I'm using their terminology, right? Mm -hmm. So I say, you know, I, I say, based on what you're telling me, it looks like I probably need to be in the low to mid 60s. Would you like to call or email the asset manager and let them know you have a cash buyer in this price range and see if they want to put it on paper? And then I follow up with the words, because you and I both know nobody gets paid till the deal closes. And the last thing I want to do is waste your time,
0: right? Then they're like, hmm. And then at that point, are you making offers just without even looking at the house? I do make an offer
1: without looking at the house. You know, it's kind of funny. We buy all of our properties and I never look at them. It doesn't mean somebody's not going to eventually go look at it, but but I buy all my properties right here over the phone. So you'll
0: just say, hey, you know, the thing's listed at 58,000. You'll be like, uh, you know, why don't you ask them if they'll take 45 and they'll be like, here's like how many agents actually will make that offer or send that email or ask that seller? And how many will kind of stand in the way and say there's no way they're going to take that?
1: Well, first of all, first of all, there's some buyers out there, some investors, especially newbie investors that know that if an offer is submitted to an agent, the agent has the obligation to submit that offer to the seller, right? But I don't want to waste that agent's time. I'm not going to force that agent because I'm not going to do any good by by creating an enemy of the agent. The agents we work with love us, right? Because they make a lot of money with us. So, so I'll go through a little bit more detail than what you just mentioned. You know, we'll find out the after-repaired value or the amount of rents and how much the, the repairs are, just a ballpark. And I, by the way, I always follow up with the words. If I asked an agent, what, how much work do you think this property needs? I always follow up with the words, just a ballpark. And the reason I do that, some agents are even scared to give a number because they don't want to be held liable for it. And I'll leave right.
0: Yeah, later on, like you said yeah. this, and then they settle, and it ends up costing three times as much, and then they sue you. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: I even use the words, I say... Look, I'm not looking to hold you to anything. I'm just looking to get a ballpark idea, right? Just to give you an idea so we know and then based on what you're telling me, it looks like I need to be around X. Now, if they've never heard of me before, if they haven't googled me, they don't know I've bought over 1000 houses, they might say, "Well, you know Larry, that sounds good, but I've got to have a copy of your proof of funds letter or your bank statement or, you know, and I got to write up a contract and of course, see that yeah. All that. So, here's what I say next. And, and this is something that's very important to the realtor because the realtor is trying to disqualify me, right? They're trying to disqualify yeah, me. Yeah,
0: because there's so many investors out there now that are just, you know, like want to be investors, right? They haven't invested in their first house yet and, they, and real estate, the residential real estate is is a, is a respected class at an all-time high now and and right. so many people are in it, right? And so many people just want to try it, but then you know, they, they do get in it and they get cold feet and pull out, you know, because they've never, they don't have the guts for it. Amazing read for agents who want to blow their business up. Six steps to seven figures was an amazing read. Pat breaks it down in a simple, actionable steps that have taken will almost guarantee seven figure success in the real estate sales business couldn't recommend this enough wow thank you for the awesome amazon review gero 215 now do you want to get your hands on this book for free and blow your business up here's how: go to free six steps that's free s-i-x steps book.com free, S-I-X, right now or simply text the word pat to 444-999 that's text pat to 444-999, and I'll send you a free book.
1: You said the key word, there's so many wannabes out there, and they're wasting realtors' time. So when a realtor tells me, you know, I got to have a proof of funds letter, copy of a bank statement, we got to put a contract in, send it to me, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'll tell them because the thing the realtor needs to understand is they've got to get out of their little box. And when they have a big fish on the line, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way, but they've got a guy on the line that they could sell two, three, four houses a month to, right? They need to get out of that little box and say, how can I work with this guy? So what I'll say is, you know, we can do that. I can send you a a copy of a bank statement showing you I could cut a check for about 30 or 40 of these houses. However, the agents I work with on a regular basis, they typically have the kind of relationship with their seller where they can just shoot an email to them and say, we got a cash buyer in this range and find out if they want to put it on paper because you and I both know nobody gets paid till the deal closes and I don't want to waste your time, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now the, the, the fact of the matter is nobody does get paid till the deal closes and I don't want to waste their time, Right. I also don't. Yeah. Want to, you're actually telling the truth. Yeah, but I don't want to waste my time either, but I don't talk about my time. I hate it when I'm dealing with somebody. I don't care who it is and somebody says, I don't want to waste my time. I'll never do business with that person again. I don't care if they're the only person that has what I'm looking for. So I never, ever, ever say, I don't want to waste my time. I also never say, I don't want to waste your time or mine. I'll say, I don't want to waste your time. I'm being respectful to them But in my mind, my time is just as valuable as theirs. But a real realtor needs to learn to get out of that box and say, if I've got a big fish on the line, maybe I could email my seller or pick up the phone and call my seller or asset manager and see if they want to put this thing on paper and work around a little bit. But some of them are so dead set on that box that they just won't do it, even if they got a big fish on the line. Mm.
0: Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with technology too, uh, because I think all that's going to change. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there now that is allowing uh, investors like yourself to do letters, letters of intent that go directly to the seller from from the website portal and and the agent can't stand in the way. So the, uh, you know, the, 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 the seller will know, Hey, I got an offer, you know, 30% below market uh, that's cash from Larry Goins and, they can certainly say no, but it saves you from that whole waste your time waste my time script right uh, and uh, it'll make things a lot easier and I know uh, last time we talked you were doing you were making two hundred offers a month you know with that sort of technology in place i i don't I can't imagine you wouldn't you know be able to make you know a thousand offers a month, but I think what's gonna what's happening with that technology um is that as a seller, you do have the ability to set a a minimum so if you put your house on the market for 100 you can set the minimum at 80 and larry goins's offer will automatically be rejected
1: well there's websites out there that already do that like hub zoo right yeah. if your bid is too low it just automatically tells you you know it didn't meet the minimum requirement required bid.
0: but at uh, least you know at least you tried right
1: exactly and we're listen we're still doing 200 bids a week with hud we, we bid on every HUD house in North and South Carolina every.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. So now you're doing 200 a week. You bid on every house in North and South Carolina. Every you, HUD house. Every HUD house. You just put in a bid that's like really low. And then, and, and like, how do you do that? How, how does one, how, how do you bid on 200 houses a week? Well, we have a spreadsheet
1: that we work with, right? That's included in my book. I think we gave away my book on the last podcast, but, um, But uh, we have a spreadsheet that I paid a developer to put together and and with HUD, at hudhomestore.com, that's the only place you can bid on HUD houses. You export the list and then we import it into our spreadsheet and it merges. So we can keep track of every property. And it also pulls in a link to Zillow, a link to realtor.com and a link to to the Google Maps and some other uh, analysis sites as well and then we, we figure what is the after-repaired value, what are the amount of repairs, we look at the listing, and we put a bid amount on it, right? We put, what is our bid going to be? And then we have, we our agent has an assistant, and the assistant sits there about two hours a day and puts in bids on the computer every day. It only takes a couple hours a day to put in 200 bids a week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so too. And if you have somebody doing it, you know, and they know what they're doing over and over again. The
1: realtor doesn't want to be doing that. They need to be out selling. Realtors are on commission only. Agents are on commission only. They need to be talking to people that and showing houses and listing houses. That's how an agent makes money.
0: Mm, mm, mm. All right. Let's let's switch gears here a little bit, Larry. Let's talk about BRAG, right? What's BRAG stand for? Be rich and generous. <laughs> be rich and generous. Tell me more. This this is intriguing.
1: Well, uh, I started a, a one of my podcasts. I have two different podcasts, and one of them is called BRAG. BRAG stands, as, as I mentioned, for be rich and generous, and I actually got that name from our church. The pastor of our church was putting together this uh, BRAG Sunday for people to come in and, and be generous you know, and, and donate uh, for, for some homeless children in the, in the area and um, as well as out, out of the area. And uh, when I was trying to come up with my radio show, I was thinking, what should we call this? And I really liked that term, that analogy, be rich and generous. So I called him up and asked him. He said, I asked him what he thought about me using it. And it was on a local radio station here, uh, WBT, Home of the Panthers. And, uh, and he said I'd be honored, and I've even had him on the show a couple of times, which was pretty cool. But what we try to do is we try to teach people how to go out and invest in real estate, whether they're doing fix and flips or building an investment portfolio. And then we encourage them to go out and be generous with their blessings and help others less fortunate. And we've been very fortunate to have students not only come on the show, but also at our live events that are out just really helping a lot of people, helping children, helping helping uh, at schools. Like there, there's some guys out there that if if a student's lunch meal, their lunch bank account gets down to zero. There's guys that'll go out there and just you know, here's a few hundred bucks. Just add it to every kid's meal account that is at zero, right? And, and to help at certain
0: them. schools because the schools make that public or or they ask for it.
1: Well, they just they have to go into each individual school and do it. They don't make that public, right?
0: But they they just walk into a school and like um...
1: yeah, just whatever kids you know that their meal account is at zero, just just add this to those accounts, and you know it's really cool. It really is. We've got another student that um, this this really blew me away. In Russia, there are widows who their husband has passed away, and widows there that can't get on assistance and they're literally freezing to death inside their house and there's a mission that is providing firewood to widows in russia
0: in a communist country too
1: uh, yeah but who would have thought about that who would have thought about that that just blows me away i've got another student that uh, he's been with me for several years now he owns like 165 houses now he put the he put a whole wing on his church to help with missions. I thought that was really, really cool. So we've got a lot of cool students that are that are out there making money, having fun, but they're also bragging. They're being rich and generous.
0: No, I love it. I love it. And and there's so much fun you can have with it. There's so much variety you can have with it. Let me ask you a question. So what do you think? Like, what do you, you know, cliche is 10%. uh, Most people give like a half of a percent. How should somebody think in this terms of real estate agents too, you know, per commission or per flip or whatever it is? uh, What's a, what's a good percentage you think if you want to be part of the brag club, be rich and generous?
1: You know, I don't think it's a number. I think it's a philosophy and what you have to work with and what you feel led to help others with. You know, the, the, the goal I would like to get to is where where I'm giving away 90%, right? That's the goal I would like to get to. But, but I know guys that, you know, you, you don't even think about what is the percentage. You see a need and you feel that need if you're in a position to be able to do it, Right. You know, that's some of the things we're doing, whether it's time or money. I I got to the point, Pat, where I I was tired of just writing a check. You know, I want to get out and help people and be involved. And so I've been on a couple of mission trips and, you know, and and, and gone out and volunteered and and stuff like that. Like there's a a place right here in Rock Hill. It's called Rock Renew Our Community and it's a day shelter for homeless people and and my son and I this saturday are going to take like 6 or 8 computers from our office over there and there's homeless people in Rock Hill South Carolina a little small town Rock Hill there's homeless people there and and it's a day shelter but they only have one or two computers and these guys are fighting over computers and some of them, that's their only communication with family members is at that day shelter, getting on the computer and being able to email and communicate on social media. And and they were like in desperate need of computers. I've got about six or eight computers sitting out here in, in, the, in the closet, right? That we're not even using. So we're going to put those together and take them over there on Saturday. It's not a lot of money. It's not a percent. It's not whatever, but It's just finding a need and filling it and just being aware and making it bigger than ourselves. You know, I've flipped over a thousand houses in my career so far, but at at the end of my career, nobody's going to care how many houses I flipped or how much money I made, but I might've been able to make a difference in somebody's life.
0: You're a lot of people's lives. A lot one of people. at a time,
1: right? I mean, yeah, exactly. And let me tell you something. That's what it's all about. It's not about the money. The money is good. We take the money, right? We take the money. We make the money. Well, like one guy
0: said to me, he said, money is good for the good it can do.
1: That's really good. I love that. I heard somebody else say this. You need to be given while you're living so you're knowing
0: where it's going. <laughs> That's true. Ain't that the truth? I know, right? given while you're living. I'm gonna write that down. I like that. You need to be given while you're living, so you're knowing where it's going. That's a good one. I mean, so many people, you know, myself included, we we amass wealth, right? Uh, for lack of a better way to put it, <laughs> and rarely does any rich person die broke, right? The, you know, there's always a big estate, and and there's always family members splitting it up and and dorking around with it and fighting you know, over you, it. You know what I'm fighting over it too, and. You know, we always think that, oh, no, I'm not going to have enough. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to live till, you know, everyone hopes they live to a hundred and everyone thinks, oh, yeah, I'm going to live till a hundred and I got to have enough money to live to a hundred. Right. And and we overcompensate, you know, and probably oversave. It's interesting. It's fascinating, but it's it's just, it is what it is. Let's talk a little bit about filthy riches, because that's one of your uh, more popular things that you talk about in programs and things like that. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Filthy Riches is a model. I didn't invent the model. I just, uh, I like to say I perfected the model, right? (laughs) Filthy Riches is a model where we're buying dirt cheap houses that not a lot of people want. And then we're turning around and selling them for three to six times what we paid for them with owner financing, right? And we're able to provide what's called affordable housing, I'll give you an example. We might buy a house. Let's say we buy a house for uh, for for thirty grand. Okay, uh, we'll buy a house. It could be a home. It could be a mobile home. And the key is the house needs to be livable or close to livable. Okay, livable or close. Livable to- or close to livable. Okay. Right. Now we're going to buy it at a discount. Okay. It's not like I'm buying a thirty thousand dollar house, right? And then I'm going to turn around and sell it. for I mean, These 60, are
0: generally foreclosures, right? They're, they're, they could be foreclosures. They're vacant they houses.
1: Right. They could be vacant houses. I do buy a lot of them through realtors. Another pro- type of property that makes a really, really good property for this is double-wide mobile homes. In small-town USA, you can buy like a 2000, 2002 model. Double wide mobile home, 16 or 1,800 square feet, three or four bedroom, two or three bath with the plant shelves, garden tub, island in the kitchen on an acre of land, you can pick those up for 20, 25, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars, right? So then what we do is we turn around and sell it. Let's say we're gonna sell it for sixty-nine nine, right? And we're gonna get about five thousand dollars down, and then we're gonna finance the balance, sixty-four nine. We're gonna we're gonna charge nine percent interest. For twenty years, that payment's going to be about five eighty three ninety two a month. Now that's less <laughs> than rent, right? Now, see, I've done a few with that those specific. Yeah, no kidding,
0: no kidding. Right. So, so, you, so, you, so, who are you selling this to, by the way? Like, who who wants to pay nine percent interest? Listen, they don't care.
1: I'm helping them become a homeowner. They're going right. to go somewhere else, and they're going to pay seven or eight hundred dollars a month rent. And in twenty years, they'll have nothing to show for it, right?
0: So this is, you know, they got bad credit. What's the deal?
1: Yeah, well, it's, listen, 92% of the people who have a 700 credit score can't get a loan anyway, right? So according to some stats I read recently. Okay. But, but you know, there's people that, listen, bad things happen to good people. Somebody could have gone through a divorce. They could have lost their job. They could have had medical issues, you know, been in the hospital, you know have medical collections worst on the case floor. scenario you,
0: you you foreclose on it just like the process of evicting the tenant except in the meantime what like like yeah like so i guess the question is why wouldn't you just rent it out right if you can make more in rent than you can uh, mortgage why wouldn't you just rent it out
1: well that's a great question pat i'm really glad you asked that question if i rent it out now you know i've got i'm a landlord right mm-hmm. yep. i've got to deal with tenants trash termites and toilets right I'm responsible for the taxes, the insurance, the repairs, and the maintenance. Right? Even if I rent it out for seven or eight hundred dollars, by the time you figure in taxes, insurance, repairs, and maintenance, my five, my seven or eight hundred dollars a month is down to four or five hundred bucks.
0: And and you know that's true, and that that's that's my biggest pet peeve about single family homes. And I, I still have a bunch of them, but certainly not a hundred percent of my portfolio, just simply because of that, because. You think you're making so much money, but then when you look at the profit loss at the end of the year, you realize how much money you put in repairs and you're like, damn, you know that looked looked good till now. And uh, that happens to every owner of single family homes that I know, know, unless you're buying them brand new. So it does make a lot of sense. So you're essentially netting out the repairs and the insurance taxes, all that. You're netting it out and saying, "Uh, I'm going to come out ahead and it's going to be less aggravation and less management.
1: Right. So what we here's the way we advertise our properties, okay? We're looking for a deserving family with a reasonable down payment that is tired of throwing their money away on rent, mm-hmm. and they want to have payments comparable to rent, where in 10, 15, 20 years, they're going to own something free and clear, right? Yep. And we understand bad things happen to good people. You know, I, I'm not, listen, I used to say I want a minimum 640 credit score. I don't really care about the credit score, right? Here's what I care about. I care about two things. I wanna know do they pay their rent on time where they live now and do they make their car payment on time if they have a car? Because they gotta have a place to live and they gotta get to work, right? And if they have a reasonable down payment, I try to get at least ten percent. I don't always get ten percent, but I try to get at least ten percent. So they
0: have they're they're putting some sweat and blood into it, right? Skin in the game. They're putting probably skin the game, the most skin the game they've gotten to anything.
1: Right, right, exactly. Listen, I've sold houses to people who had a 400-something credit score, but they might have had $10,000 or $15,000 to put down, right? Now, that's very rare, but it does happen. And people say, yeah, but what about whenever they default on the loan? If they're going to default, it's typically going to be in the first year, maybe the second year, but typically the first year. So if you're concerned about that, just lease option it to them for the first year, unless you're in Texas. You can't do a lease option for more than six months in Texas, right? You could do a six month lease, then a six month lease option, and then convert it to a mortgage if you want to. But for the most part, if they're gonna default, it's gonna be in the first year. But, but I'll tell you this, a lot of people freak out about that. Well, I don't wanna get the property back, you know? Let me tell you something. When you do this kind of model, this filthy riches model, the, there's there's four or five things that can happen. Okay, the absolute best thing that can happen when you sell a house with seller financing is they go refinance and pay you off. Right? It very rarely happens. It's happened to me three or four times. Okay. The second best thing that can happen is they default and you get to sell the house again. You get the house back. You sell it to somebody else. And you get another down payment, and that reduces the cost you have in the property, and it increases your yield. The third best thing that can happen when you do this is they just pay you on time. They just make their payments, right? Pay as agreed, right? And then the next below that is you do a loan modification, right? right. I've heard right. many loan modifications from people. I've seen people who, you know, maybe their car broke down or something. They start getting behind. They say, we just need a little bit of breathing room. That's it. So, I find out how much they can handle. You know, hey, if our payment was $150 less for the next three months, I, I could get caught back up on all my other bills. I say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to lower your payment 200 a month for six months. Right. So, so we always try to work. It's, it's a loan modification, it's a one page agreement. It's a very simple thing to do. Right. And yeah, then
0: it makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And you got a lot of people uh, making a lot of money doing this.
1: Ah, I got people making triple digit returns like we are. We we do these deals. I've done this on houses as cheap as 1500 and as high as 55,000. I mean, think about this. If you buy a house for 5 grand, you turn around and sell it for 299, you get a couple thousand dollars down, right? You have 28,000. It's crazy to buy a house
0: for 5 grand and sell it for 299.
1: It it does, doesn't it? It does. But think about this: What's the value of that house if you're getting four or five hundred dollars a month rent? Right now, don't get me wrong; I'm not selling a five thousand dollar house. Yeah. I, I mean,
0: it's worth that. Yeah.
1: Agents listen to this. Some agents listen to this. Have these houses listed? They might be listed for thirty grand, and the bank is just like it's the end of the quarter or end of the year, just blow it out, right? And I come along and make an offer of five, seven, ten thousand. Now I know some agents are thinking five thousand dollars. Come on. You know, three percent of that, that's hundred and fifty bucks. But in the listing agreements, the 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 agent always has built in a minimum commission of say twelve hundred or fifteen hundred dollars. Usually thousand dollars, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Something Sometimes like two thousand dollars. But they're yeah. still getting paid. They're right. still getting paid. I, I bought a house a while back in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, where the, the seller, the bank, brought fourteen hundred dollars to closing. Just to get rid of this deal, it's a liability. It's not an asset. And then I turn around, sell it for twenty or thirty grand, get a couple thousand dollars down, right, and create uh, create a cash flow without all the headaches.
0: Mm. So, how many of these do you have going? Yeah, we've
1: we've we've done probably over the last, I would say, because I didn't start doing this until probably maybe about seven or eight years ago. Okay, probably done about three to five a month something like that wow. note. the rest really? of them were wholesaling and we've sold some notes and we've kept some notes as well. So we have notes with payments coming in and we also have some that we have we have created the note and then sold that cash flow to a passive investor.
0: Wow. That this is cool. Well, so why don't we do like why don't we do something for everybody listening like perhaps a webinar where we can kind of talk about this offline if they want more information on filthy riches.
1: Yeah, yeah, we can do that. I've got a really cool webinar that it's probably about 90 minutes long, something like that, but it goes into detail, and I've got PowerPoint slides that can run through the exact specific numbers and show you all the good, the bad, and the ugly of this and all the details about it. So, yeah, we'll put that together.
0: All right, um, uh, so what I'm going to do, guys, I'm going to put that on hybendigital.com backslash filthy riches, right? hybendigital.com backslash filthy riches sounds funny then i'm going to put all of larry's information on hybendigital.com backslash larry goins g-o-i-n-s hybendigital.com backslash larry goins and it's the number two because this is the second time he's been on the show larry goins too so larry uh last time i think you brought us a book what what uh, what's your free gift this time around
1: wow what is my free gift we do have a uh, we do have a webinar. We could do that webinar. We've also got a seven part video training series on the Filthy Riches as well. We'll get a link to that as well. How about that?
0: Yeah, and I'll For put people. that. I can put that link. Do you have any checklists? Or, do you have any checklists or PDFs or anything like that? That uh,
1: I do. I do. I'll send you a checklist that'll. Uh, how about a checklist to follow along with the webinar checklist that has a lot of detailed information in it?
0: All right, beautiful. And we'll put that in the Agent Success Toolbox, guys. So everything we're talking about, you'll have access to. And also, you can get Larry's free gift in the Agent Success Toolbox as well by simply going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or texting the word toolbox to four 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 nine nine nine. 999 And that's about it. So, Larry, listen, man, I could talk all day about this stuff. I, I really appreciate you coming back on, and uh, best of luck to you. And uh, listen, if I'm ever in the... Carolinas or wherever the heck you are, I will definitely look you up. We get together and break some bread. Sounds good, man. I'd look forward to it. All right, Larry. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I want to ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, Hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on Real Estate Rockstars, the better guests are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio right on Facebook and join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives, and we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there. And it's free. People ask me all the time, where am I on social media? I'm real easy to find. Just type in my name. My IG is I am Pat Hyben. It is blowing up on Instagram, adding tons of subscribers, and I'm on there probably twice a day. So definitely follow me on Instagram, as well as everywhere else. Thanks again for listening, and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.